Well, good morning. My name is Ralph Deal. For those of you that haven't seen me too often, I say that with a little smile on my face. Uh, some people have asked, where, where have you been? We noticed you haven't been around. Uh, well, our church has come alongside another church in Auburn that's going through some tough times, and we're trying to bring some revival, some stirring to a, uh, a church that needs to wake up. And so uh, I'm over there one Sunday, Pastor Adam's over there the next Sunday, we're rotating for the end of, till the end of the year. Pastor Todd happens to be over there today to cover from me being on vacation last week. You know when you do every other week? There's no room for vacation. You, know, you just got to do something out of the ordinary. So I just want you to know, uh, be praying for Heritage Community Church in Auburn. We consider them a sister church of ours in CMI. Uh, and I'm just believing God's going to do something great. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're going to be reading today in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. I would encourage you to turn there. We'll read here in, uh, in just a minute. We're in this series a uh, three-part series where we're, we are uh, looking at danger zone for maturing believers. In other words, I'm not talking to non-Christians today. You can kind of ignore me because you won't get it. If you're, a, if you're a Christian who is growing, this is a spiritual key you need to grab a hold of. If you don't grab a hold of this, uh, it's probably the, the trap the enemy has set up for you to keep you from growing. So how many know there's some things in the Bible, just uncomfortable reading? We're going to look at one of those things today. First uh, Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days. How many want to love life and see good days ahead of you? Sure. Those people must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Therefore, don't be caught doing evil. Somebody does something evil to you, and you can't live on planet Earth and not have people hurt you. We live in an offensive culture. Not everybody thinks the same way you do, behaves the same way you do, strategizes the same way you do. And when they do evil to us, the natural tendency is to give them what they deserve, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Somebody punches you in the nose, first thing you want to do is punch them in the nose. Then what? They're going to swing back. Then what are you going to do? You're going to swing back even harder. Somebody's got to be the peacemaker here. Somebody's got to change this world or we're all going to kill each other. Somebody's got to be the peacemaker. He's given us a key strategy here in the spirit. And I want us to hang on to what he said, because we're going to talk about that principle, returning evil for evil this morning from uh, several ang angles. First, I want us to define what evil is. What is evil anyway? Well, there's two biblical definitions of what evil is. The first is some dark, 
sinister, demonic thing that comes right out of the pit of hell, that's evil. But there's another definition of evil. And that is when you take what God has done good and instead of thank him for it, you use it for your own ends. That's evil. To take a good thing God did and twist it and warp it and turn it into something that's not his intent. In other words, selfish. Selfishness can be evil. When you don't care about the body of Christ, but you only care about yourself, that's evil. So with those two definitions, let's just jump right in here. Uh, I want to share seven reasons why we should not return evil for evil. Here's the first one. Because we are called to be a blessing. God has called you to be a blessing. He has called the church of Jesus Christ. He has called Christianity to be a blessing to a dark, hurting world. Did you know that? I think you did know that. But sometimes I think we don't apply what we know to our own personal lives and how it works for us. We're called to be a blessing. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, which we just read, says, Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You see, here's the law of reciprocity, reaping and sowing in action. If you want to receive a blessing from God, you have to sow a blessing into the world. And if you and I, who are sinners, want to receive favor from God, we've got to give favor to some other sinner. Hard to do, I know, that's the whole point. Are we transformed, or are we just fixed up from what we used to be? I want to be transformed, I want to think altogether different. This is the Abrahamic covenant. We're called... To be a blessing. Abraham was blessed so he could be a blessing. Not because God wants to to pat him on the back and make him feel good about himself. God blesses him so he can be a blessing. Did you know that God blesses you so you can be a blessing? Not so you can get rich. So you can bless someone else. We are a channel. God pours it in, flows out through us. When the channel plugs up, And it just flows in and stays there and it doesn't flow back out. God's going to stop pouring it in. I want God to pour it in more and more. So I got to be a channel. I have to find ways to bless other people. Help other people. Encourage other people. Love other people. Abrahamic covenant. So that you may be, or inherit rather. So that you may inherit a blessing. Good returns to you when you give good. Evil returns to you if you give evil. So don't do, don't return evil for evil. You see how this makes sense? Romans 12, 14 says the same thing. Paul says it like this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Those that persecute you, give you a hard time, bless them in return. And I know some of you are saying, but that just doesn't make sense. Some people need to learn a lesson. Absolutely. Who's going to teach it to them? Certainly not you. God will do it. And the only way God does it is if you back off. Turn it over to God. Nobody can ever steal anything from me. 
because everything I have, I gave to God. So if they steal any of my stuff, God goes after them. I don't have to. Takes all the pressure off me. Puts me at peace knowing God's got my back. I hope that you can buy into this uh, thinking. Example. In 1968, I was serving in the military in Germany, uh, and we were, I was in an intelligence unit, and we were over against the Czechoslovakian border, and uh, the, the, Czechoslovak, the Czechoslovakian government was wanting more and more freedom, and they were doing more and more things that the Soviet Union didn't particularly like. So in August of 1968, I remember, because my birthday's in August, the Warsaw Pact nations invaded Czechoslovakia, and they shut down all the reform movements that that government had put in place. And I, I give you that background because here's an interesting illustration of this principle at work. At Oral Roberts University, there were six Czechoslovakian students who were enrolled in the college there at ORU. And if you know anything about ORU, they have um, uh, flags lined up. They have a parade of flags. They have all these flagpoles. And any student from another country who is enrolled there gets a flag up on the flagpole. So there's a Czechoslovakian flag flying there. And the Czechoslovakian government sent a letter to ORU saying that those six students had to return to Czechoslovakia immediately. The school year, had, the semester had just begun. It's August. And they were required to return to Czechoslovakia. They were pulling their visas to come here as students. So the ORU administration sat down and they decided, what do we do in response to this? So they finally come up with an idea. And they took those students and had them stand around the flagpole with the Czechoslovakian flag on it. And they took a picture of that, those students with the Czechoslovakian flag, and they sent it back there. And, they, and the administration said, we're really sorry, because if your students have to come back to Czechoslovakia, we're going to have to take that flag down. This is like a Czech outpost here in the United States. We're going to have to take that flag down. And right away they responded and they said, well, we'll let them stay the rest of the year. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you do, and when somebody does you evil, you bless them in return. You say positive things, you don't say negative things, and God will give you the creativity to turn it into something positive. Now there I talked too long. My screen disappeared. Get back in here. Okay, here's the second thing. There's seven of these, so I got to move here. Number two. Vengeance is the Lord's. If you take notes, you might want to write that down. It is not yours. God says, vengeance is the Lord. He says it. Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Our faith should tell us this, but my emotions don't but I have to keep going back to my faith. Hebrews 10.30 says a similar thing. It says, for we know, 
him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So where did that come from? It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, where it says, it is mine to avenge, God says. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. In due time. In due time. Can we be patient? Can we trust God? Can we wait upon God, or do we have to have action right now? The best thing for us is to wait on God. Vengeance is the Lord's. Three things we learn here. Number one, it's God's role to avenge us. It's not our role to avenge ourselves. It's God's role to avenge us. Secondly, justice comes from God. He doesn't give us that authority to take out justice. Justice comes from God. And number three, justice comes in God's timing, in due season. If you want a really good meal, you have to give the chef a little time in the kitchen. Because all those ingredients don't taste very good all by themselves. You give God a little time to work those ingredients together and give it a little time sitting in the oven. And then comes out tasting oh so good. Give the chef time in the kitchen. Give God time to work on their hearts. Because God knows how to turn heart inside out. Look at yourself. If God does something like that in you, why can't he do that in anybody? All right, here's number three, because the clock's ticking. We must wait on God's vengeance, patience. Proverb 20.22 says, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and he will avenge you. You got to wait. You got to wait. I hate waiting. I have to wait every time I go to the dentist, every time I go to the doctor, every time I go anyplace, I have to wait. I don't like waiting. I want what I want right now. Anybody with me? <laughs> we have to wait on God. God's good, but we have to let him work it out because he's not only dealing with our emotions, he's dealing with the emotions and hard hearts of a whole lot of people in the scenario. Just give him time. Here's number four. Let God see your grace. Let God see your grace. Proverbs 24, 17, and 18 says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. For the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. It's always good when we feel vindicated. We didn't do the wrong thing, but they're out there telling stories or insulting or hurting, doing some evil action. It's always good to feel vindicated when God turns what the devil meant for evil around for good. It's always good to feel that. Get weight on God to do that. You see, this is an attitude thing. This is your attitude, and you can't fake an attitude. You just have to turn your life over to God, trust him, and let him work it out. He is so good. If you gloat, 
God turns it around. He'll just, he'll just lift the curse off them and let you fend for yourself. He'll let you work it out. I'd, I'd rather let God clean their clock than me try to do it. I always backfires when I do it. Here's number five. I'm just going to read the scripture because that's really the point. First Peter chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Two things we learn. Sometimes it is God's will for us to suffer. I would rather not stand up here and tell you that, but you'll be disillusioned and give up on your faith real quick if you don't understand that. Sometimes it is God's will for us to suffer. We learn that from Jesus on the cross, the Son of God himself dying on the cross. That was God's will so that you and I could be free. We're the ones that should have been there, you know. Sometimes it's God's will that we suffer. And then the second thing I want us to see is we've got to look to the future. You've got to look to the future. We Americans are so much into today. We have so many people go get a job, work for two weeks, get their first paycheck. All of a sudden, they don't have a need anymore, so they quit. Until they have another need, then they go try to find another job. Nobody's looking to the future. I want to look to the future. There's a time when I want to retire and be comfortable. Anybody with me? And the only way to do that is not to think about today, but to think about the future and where we're going to be down the road. And if I want God to bless me, I have to do the things that set me up to be blessed. And one of those things is I don't return evil for evil. And that will be tested. We all know that. There's evil out there in this world. There's selfishness in this world. There is a move, an evil move in, in our country, a movement in our country to silence God's word or to say, no, nah, it really doesn't mean what it looks like. You know, we're, they were superstitious, but now we know better. We have all this education. We have so much education, we're dooming ourselves because we've walked away from the basic principles of the faith. We've got to look to the future. Here's number six. Kingdom principles release spiritual power. I need spiritual power in my life. I'm not interested in going through the motions and just saying, oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm one of the good guys. I want God's power released in my life. When I pray for somebody, I expect an answer. Anybody, anybody want an answer to your prayers? Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. Jesus, Jesus himself says it like this. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Oh, I really don't like that one. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you 
And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now this just makes me uncomfortable. Jesus is giving us a strategy that is countercultural. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind and the natural world. But he's given us a spiritual principle that releases spiritual power and God will do my battles for me. Leo Tolstoy wrote a story that concluded his, this, this interpretation of the, this scripture. When we allow others to abuse us, we shame them into correcting their ways. fact of the matter is that's false. It doesn't make sense. If somebody wants to steal your stuff and you just let them do it, you better be, back, be sure they're going to be back to take more of your stuff. If somebody can push you around and you just let them push you around, they will be back to push you around some more. People who are lost don't get shamed over their, how their bullying works. It's an it's a interesting concept, but it just, it, it, and it should work for Christians, but it doesn't work for the lost. You see, we have three things we have to understand here. Number one, we are in a spiritual economy. And we, we have a, what we call a Christian country where people have fallen asleep. We say we're Christians. Many of, us, many of us that say we're Christians go to church, but we don't know how to practice the principles that allow the power of God to work, at work in our lives. We're in a spiritual economy, and if we want God's favor, we have to do the things that draw God's favor. We have to obey him. How am I going to know how, what those things are? I got to read the book. This is the manual. If I, if I want to know how to, how, to, how to change an ink cartridge in my printer, I have to get out the manual. If I'm going to figure out how, how, how to find out where the, uh, the light switch is in my new car, I got to look in the manual. That's where the information is. If I want to know how to live my life and have God's favor in my life, I have to get in the manual. This is God's word to us. And sometimes it doesn't make sense because we live in this world. But we live in a spiritual economy and people that recognize that can catapult themselves over the rest of the world. We can be more successful than the rest of the world because we see we're in a spiritual economy. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing we draw from this. We're supposed to not resist. Not resist. Are you a child of God? Have you put your life in his hands? Then trust him. If an enemy comes along, he says, don't resist the enemy. Now, I'm not foolish. I know how to dial 911 on my phone. I do know how to put shells in my shotgun. There is a time for force. There, are, there is a time to call the police. There is a time to have a military. There is a time to have a force that protects and defends. I'm all for that. I'm thankful for that. Because I don't want to have to shoot anybody. 
I'd rather just call 911. Put a little force in the picture. I'm not against force. I don't think that's what we're being taught here. But we need to think ahead. Sir Walter Scott told a story that there was a dog in town annoying him. So he picked up a rock and threw it at the dog, chase him away. Unfortunately, that rock hit just the right place and broke his leg. And that dog whimpered, came over, and began licking his boot. He said, that was a sermon I will never forget. He did evil to that dog, and the dog didn't bite him back. The dog just licked the dust off his boots. One of my favorite movies is Driving Miss Daisy. How many have seen that film? Remember? Driving Miss Daisy. Miss Daisy is one of the rudest, most obnoxious, got her nose up in the air people. And she's got a black servant named Hoke. And whatever she barks at him, he just says, yes, I'm. Yes, I'm. I watch that show and I say to myself, God, make me a yesum person. I want to say yesum to you. Make me a servant. Make me an encourager. Help me to be a blessing to other people in this world. All right. There's numbers. There's seven of these, so I got one more. The reason we don't return evil for evil is because we want our prayers answered. Don't you want your prayers answered? 1 Peter chapter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. A, he is looking at the righteous. Are you the righteous? He's got his eyes on you. Doesn't have his eyes on that offender who just did something evil to you. He's got his eyes on you. He's watching your reaction. Some of these things that happen to us are a deliberate test. God has set us up with a test. How are we going to deal with it? Here's, here's a key. Every time somebody offends you, just say to yourself, now, this is a test and God's watching. This is a test and God's got his eye on me. If I pass the test, God's going to put his favor in my life. If I flunk the test, he's just going to let me deal with this on my own and I can stew and fret and have all this frustration. Why don't I just give it to God? Number two, he's listening to their prayers. He's listening to the prayers of the righteous. If you're the righteous... He's listening to what you say. He's listening to how you say it. He's listening to your heart's cry to him. But he is resistant to the evildoers. So if your response to someone's evil actions toward you is evil back, he sees that. You pull the plug on the authority he's given us. We Christians can't be like the world. We're supposed to be different than the world. God wants to do something good through us that the world is never going to see unless they see our reaction. 
So one of the most difficult things for Christians is to not repay evil for evil. That's why it's a danger. It's a temptation. When somebody offends us, what are we going to do with it? Let's stand together. I have a suspicion that there are some people in this room who have been offended, deeply offended. Maybe it was something that happened 30 years ago. Maybe it was something that happened 30 minutes ago when you walked in the door. But you can't go through planet Earth and not be offended. People don't think like you do. They are going to offend you. The question is, what are you going to do in response to that? And chances are, as I know human nature, as I assume I know human nature, there's numerous people in this room who have been offended and it hurt deeply and you're having a hard time letting go of it and as long as you hang on to it it's a continual infection inside of you God wants to heal the infection we have people in our church that that we know are prayer partners spiritual people would you would you prayer partners come up to the front those of you that you know who you are if you're a prayer partner come on up to the front elders and those of you that that have come up before yeah thank you these people know how to pray and they know how to keep their mouth shut this is between you and God they just want to be the mediator they want to not the mediator they they want to help you in your in your prayer because we need to release these things if you don't release them they fester they fester it just continues to erode on the inside of us and God wants to set us free how do I do that? I got to give the problem to God. I have to give the offense to God. God, you know what I feel. You know the hurt. You know it was so unfair what they said, what they did. But God, I can't keep carrying this. I want to unload it on you. You give that to God and let God take it. And it's amazing what God can do. We're going to sing one more song. And as we do that, Come up to this altar. Just let these folks pray with you. Just, just tell them what you're struggling with. They'll pray. They're going to forget what you told them. And hopefully you can walk out of the door and you can forget what you told them because it's going to be liberating. Amen? Amen.